0: From the bowels of uncertainty and fear, from the mountains of euphoria and success... From the faraway lands of China and Far East, to the warm glowing sun of California coast and the top of the Freedom Tower, we bring you the Global Edge Talk. If you are an aspiring entrepreneur or hardened enterprise global executive with an edgy story of winning or defeat, entering new markets, or getting out of the old ones, we want to talk to you. We want to share your story. We want everyone to be on the edge. And because of you, we want everyone to have the edge, the Global edge. And now the Global Edge Talk host, Alex Romanovich.
1: Hi everyone. This is Alex Romanovich with Global Edge Talk and welcome to COVID Conversation and COVID Convo with Dr. Wendy Tong. Hello Wendy. Hi. It's great to see you. It's great to hear you. Today is a very important topic. We're now on April 17th of 2020. And we have some very, very uh, big differences in the way that the um, uh, different countries and different cities are treating this coronavirus situation. I recently tested positive myself, and uh, I'm going through some symptoms and an interesting experience with our, our healthcare system. I have some family members who have contracted the virus as well. A lot of friends. Our last conversation, we, you know, from our last conversation, I think we know a lot more now than we, we did before. But one thing I want to talk about and call this session is a tale of two cities. I want to talk about New York and Hong Kong, where, where you actually are from. So, uh, Dr. Wendy, what, what's going on? I mean, we're looking at, con- in Hong Kong, we're looking at confirmed 1,022 confirmed cases, 533 people recovered, four deaths in new york we're looking at over 14,000 deaths and over 100,000 cases if not more by now and out of the 680,000 confirmed cases in the united states what's up why such big difference
0: i think that hong kong even though we were in the first you know early waves of COVID-19 infecting China and spreading outside of China, what Hong Kong had as a culture was this, awareness uh, and the importance of personal protection, wearing personal protection equipment. Um, And it was because of Hong Kong's experience with SARS, avian flu, swine flu, that it was really for um, a city that's very similar in size, geography, population density as New York, people immediately went to putting on their masks. You know, I kind of joke that a face mask is part of a Hong Konger's daily wardrobe, actually. And then, you know, all of the government's restrictions on quarantine were enforced and people followed it because they remembered, you know, just not so long ago, um, swine flu and SARS and avian flu. And the quarantine measures were you know, some news uh, reports call them draconian. For example, if one person tested positive, um, the whole building, the whole, you know, that might be 100 residents in Hong Kong, one one apartment block could be 100 people, everybody in that building were quarantined. And there were fines, the fines were executed. Um, but really, you know, when you think about testing, Hong Kong also did not have access to testing in the way that we do now worldwide, but everybody wore their masks, gloves, stayed at home. In my own family, anybody who walked into my dad's household would be sprayed down uh, with alcohol. They'd have to remove their shoes outside. Everything that was brought into the house was sprayed with alcohol. Um, We followed very, very strict, Uh, not only social distancing, but also sanitizing measures.
1: That's fascinating, Uh, Dr. Wendy. So what's interesting about this is that you're a founder and the CEO of the company called Wendy's Team. And uh, Wendy's Team is concerned with elder care, senior care, caring for our elderly loved ones. And, you know, the previous session, we talked about nursing homes. The issues with nursing homes continue, obviously, in this country. They continue everywhere, for that matter. Uh, Just to remind our audience, your dad is in Hong Kong and he is being cared for at home by the guardians, by the service providers, under your supervision, whether you're doing this remotely or not. And so let's go back to the tale of two cities. Clearly it's in the culture you know, of the population and Asian culture to care for their elderly. It's somewhat in the culture in the United States and worldwide and we know that covid is impacting a lot of the um elderly folks although we see a lot of cases with younger people fatalities and you know and so forth so how do folks handle the elder care at home in hong kong versus united states
0: yeah i think that you're right um A lot of the, you know, um, reason behind the low mortality in a city like Hong Kong is that in Chinese culture, we um, have a tendency that as our parents and our grandparents age, it's actually frowned upon to put our elderly loved ones in a nursing home. Socially, it's it's really frowned upon. And really, the standard is to live in multi-generational families where you have grandparents, parents, children, grandchildren. living together as much as possible. And I I do think that that really has contributed to the low mortality rates in Hong Kong. And what it looks like in a multi-generational household is that we regard our elders as being really a value to the household, that they have stories, experiences, and they contribute to the household. It's culturally different here. I think that You know, a lot of Americans, as we age, uh, we don't want to burden our children. And our children, actually, here in America, also want their parents to sometimes live on their own in their own community in their own or you know be in a senior retirement community but you know there's there's much more of an encouragement of you know separating um our our seniors our parents our grandparents from you know the younger generation it's it's more customary here in the united states than in a country like hong kong and china Um, And I do think that there are some consequences and the consequences are, gosh, you know, now we have um, these seniors who are isolated. We're seeing a lot of depression. Um, I know that the suicide rates among the elderly in nursing homes will will increase, you know, as uh, there are more deaths in nursing homes. And in the nursing homes, there's more and more social isolation because what we're also seeing in American nursing homes and senior living um, communities is that the residents are just uh, now staying in their units um, with just food delivered left at the door, maybe, maybe even brought inside, but really very little connection with the outside world. And, and that's just not a way of aging that we see in Asia.
1: I see, I see, interesting. So let's talk about some of the cultural differences and how it's gonna impact the um, our response to COVID, not only in terms of mitigation or control, but then recovery from it. Clearly, there are cultural differences, clearly. Uh, we're seeing situations where literally today, right before this weekend, the Florida beaches are now being opened by the governor of, of Florida. We're seeing situations where in the state of Michigan, thousands of people took to the streets in defiance of the governor's orders to to social distance people and to um, stay home and so forth. America is, you know, all about freedom. It's all about personal freedoms. And it's all about, you know, the ability to exercise those freedoms in the way that people deem, you know, necessary or freely or whatever. Versus Hong Kong now is able to very... Nicely to come out of this entire situation and go back to work, go back to—I wouldn't say life as usual, but certainly go back to a very cautious style of living and in a very controlled environment. But nevertheless, with four deaths, which is you know, it's amazing, it's absolutely incredible. Versus fourteen deaths in, in in New York City, we're now seeing this phenomenon. So culturally, what do you think? America has to do in terms of following the same example, or can even America do something like this?
0: Yeah, I think you know we really need to identify as a community and that yes, maybe you know younger people don't die as often, but we actually are all in this together, and you know we have a culture of individualism of liberty. And at some point, we also need to see that, hey, liber- with liberty also comes responsibility. And that responsibility is being, yes, I have my individualism. I have my individualism because there is a community that actually enables me to live this way and that I am part of that community. And it, it's the responsibility that comes with it. You know, it, it, it's a sense of ownership, the part that we play. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's a total shift in, you know, how we as Americans view the world, how we behave and how we act. I do see it, you know, gaining traction, this way of uh, thinking about we're all in this together. It's taken some time. Unfortunately, it's taken COVID to, you know, encourage this way of thinking. And we will come out stronger because of this. However, we also need to, as there's talks about removing lockdowns, we also have to be aware that, Poli- There's also the politically political motivations and the legal, the, the laws governing restrictions. However, um, those are not the same as medical or what are the um, guidelines by the CDC. And I think we as citizens also need to be able to interpret, even though the government lift restrictions, is it you know Dr. Fauci's reports and recommendations as well and balance out that what might be political, legal May actually not absolutely correlate um, with what um, the scientists and the healthcare community recommend.
1: Interesting, interesting. So again, going back to the tale of two cities, um, what do you think New York City should do to follow suit, to follow similar example Um, in terms of behavior? In terms of uh, you know, we have a you know in New York City where I'm from. We have a very old subway system, over 100 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, we have cultural issues such as you know you see masks, you see gloves uh, being thrown on the street. You know clearly there's some very stark cultural differences in terms of how you treat the environment, how you treat you know how you respect uh, others you know and so forth. Uh, public transportation. Um, there, you know, believe it or not, there's still some instances where buses are full, subways are full, um, you know, other modes of transportation are full. And, you know, I'm not sure exactly how uh, we're going to prevent all of this in New York City. So what is New York going to do in, in this sense? You know, a, a city of eight to nine million versus the Hong Kong, a, a city-state of about seven and a half, eight million, very close uh, to each other in terms of um, demographics, very multicultural cities. Um, What are we going to do uh, in this particular situation?
0: Yeah, I think, you know, uh, testing is part of it, but it's going to take some time to have the, you know, level of testing that would warrant knowing, oh, you know, the patterns of spread of this disease. And in the meantime, what we should do, and also what we should do at all times, is to raise the level of cleanliness and sanitization um, and hygiene, which is what, you know, Hong Kong had. To give you an idea, even before COVID uh, was present in Hong Kong, because of SARS, if you go to any public place, say go to the financial district and you step into an elevator, you'll see signs saying this elevator, this lift is sanitized every two hours and you know things like even keypads for ATM machines have a clear plastic cover over the button so it's easy to clean and sanitize. You know the streets are in Hong Kong are very clean, they're very well set sweat. So, you know, as you mentioned, the New York subway system is kind of known for the dirtiness and griminess. And these are things that we can even start executing on before testing becomes more Available and it's all of us. Like, oh, okay. As my family wipes all the doors, the doorknobs, the handles um, several times a day because my father is ill and um, he resides at home. You know, but that's also the whole population. Like, oh, all right. You know, let's make sure that when we enter a hospital, we always hand sanitize. That was pretty much a a, a given in Hong Kong even before COVID. Um, it's not so much a given. Here. I remember talking with a friend of mine from Asia, and she asked me like, so Wendy, when you're in a hospital, do you always wear masks or gloves? And I said, no, before COVID, you would only ma- mask and gown up and put on gloves if a patient was in respiratory isolation, and, and she was shocked to hear this. So it's a very different level of cleanliness, sanitation, and hygiene that we need to bring ourselves up to. We're not accustomed to it, and just like any habit, um, we have to develop this habit, and it does take time, but it should be our day-to-day and moment-to-moment daily life.
1: Yes, totally agree with you, and um, I think culturally we have to rethink the way we behave in the United States. Uh, That's part of it. I totally agree with you that testing is extremely important. The more we test, the more we know. And the more we can um, isolate clusters and and sparks of, um, of virus that it may be happening, it requires discipline. It requires a lot of discipline on our part here in the United States. It doesn't matter where the virus came from. Obviously, you know that that's a different topic altogether. But uh, you know we're a very large, open, global country, and this will continue. This this is not the last time. This is not the first time this will happen. We just need to be prepared. We need to be ready. Any, um, you know, in conclusion, any great tips or any great, you know, maybe remedies, some old, you know, remedies that you may recommend uh, for our folks, our listeners in terms of, uh, you know, natural remedies or, you know, something to boost your immune system or anything else like that?
0: I don't know about um Uh, dietary or herbal supplements. Um, Really, um, I'm the biggest proponent of just, you know, eating a healthy and well-balanced diet in moderation. Um, However, what I do, you know, have to recommend is, so in each of our entrances into our house, we have this alcohol spray. We basically bought rubbing alcohol isopropyl alcohol um which is you know very easy to acquire these days and mix it one-to-one um with water in a spray bottle and we actually like spray almost everything it's, it's uh, yeah, and I, I have a friend who's right now a, a physician at the university hospital, and she was talking about, like, oh, my gosh, my, my hands are dry and chapped from using hand sanitizer. And then I told her, like, you know, do the spray. And she's like, oh, that's a great idea. But she had actually been using chlorine spray, and then, she then would have to, like, wash off quickly before it burned her. Oh, wow. Oh, uh, wow. And so, you know, the the alcohol spray is like a mainstay of our household. It was something I learned from my family in Hong Kong. And then really wearing a facial covering. We're really short on surgical masks. I put in an order on Amazon, like, a month and a half ago and I haven't received my supply yet. But um, I know
1: the Amazon (laughs) shipping situation is pretty, uh, it's pretty bad. (laughs) I'm waiting for a lot of stuff right now. Yeah.
0: So um, of course I have team members who are out there in the community. And what I tell them is like, no matter what facial covering, be it a bandana, a handkerchief, a scarf, you know, a homemade cloth mask, whatever it is, just to cover your face is better than nothing, you know, don't wait for that surgical mask or that N95. Those are my biggest tips, is just to sanitize surfaces um, and wear a mask and stay at home as much as you can.
1: Right, well, thank you so much, Dr. Wendy. Folks, thank you for listening and we will be speaking with Dr. Wendy again next week, unveil those topics a little bit later. Be well, stay healthy, Stay disciplined, and hopefully, this will all be behind us. Thank you so much.